there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Well, then we'll just um, go with it and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast today. I am thrilled because, one, it is sunny in Montana, and I got to go cross-country skiing this morning, and it's like first time I've been outside in, I think, a week, and it's just gorgeous. And then I have a guest on the line that I hope you're going to like. It's a little bit different, but his business is called Mermaid's Garden NYC. Um, but I said, why don't you come on and tell us because they don't sell garden food. They sell fish, but since the Mediterranean diet is so big and everything, and I, and they have a CSA, I just thought we could learn some lessons. So a bonus episode here today to talk to us is Mark Yusevich. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks. Well, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself first. Uh, so I am trained as a chef. And I worked for a little over 20 years in the restaurant business. Um, live here in New York City. And the last thing I wanted to do was open my own restaurant in New York City. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I did the, the next uh, worst thing. I opened a small business. Um, <laughs> but uh, my wife is in the restaurant business or had been in the restaurant business. Um, she's trained as an ichthyologist, which is a fish biologist. And, you know, we kind of saw this need for a good fish market in our neighborhood here in Brooklyn. Um, There really wasn't anywhere great to buy fish. And we happened to know a few fishermen who introduced us to some more fishermen. um, And we kind of built this network. So we started a, a fish share. So kind of like a CSA but or a CSF, but we're not the fishermen, so we call it a fish share. Um, oh. So we're con- connecting our customers. We started by connecting our customers with a weekly share of uh, fish sourced here in the Northeast. So uh, we worked with fishermen out in Long Island and up in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. And we've over the years, we've really grown this whole network of uh aquaculturists and fishermen, small boat fishermen that we get fish from. And eventually we opened a retail space. So we still have our, our fish share going and, uh, the retail market is going as well. So it's all, uh, domestic small boat fishermen, uh, sourced seafood. So. Awesome. So are you from New York originally or where did you grow up? I grew up in Buffalo, New York. So other side of the state. Um, A lot of people don't know where it is here in New York City. So (laughs) uh, totally, totally (laughs) different place than than the city. So uh, different vibe, different accent, (laughs) different pace. Uh, I grew up on Long Island. Actually, I have so many memories of being a kid and going to um, this little town of Freeport on Long Island. And my parents going like we would go on to, to the docks and like buy the fish fresh off the boat from the fishermen live. So maybe that's part of why I'm like, so I, I just like j- just saw your business and said, oh, I have to ask these people to be on the show because... You know, that was just a big part of my growing up. My mom's like really into like, you know, she can cook anything and she'll, you know, cut the heads off and scale it and 
just do everything um, that I know a lot of people probably don't. But that was just, it was just neat to go and and see the fishermen come in, and it was so fresh. And then, like I was saying, it seemed like all when I just happened to be when I asked you and saw your ad, um, which I don't remember how I found you guys, but there's been so much on the news about the Mediterranean diet, you know, everybody after New Year's, what diet, what diet, what diet. And, and my mom's like big on the Mediterranean diet. And so it just seemed like people are probably interested in, since my listeners are interested in healthy food as much as healthy gardening, um, uh, I don't know. What else could you tell us about maybe sustainable fishing? Uh, so sustainable fishing, it means the, the, uh, methods they're using to catch the fish are sustainable. Uh, so they're, you know, that's habitat preservation. So you know, there's different types of nets that, that will drag across the bottom of the ocean floor and just kind of, you know, think of like a steamroller. It just flattens, you know, everything in its path. So there, a lot of uh, fishermen have been able to modify the gear they use to to limit the uh, the habitat impact. So it preserves the ocean floor. Um, it also they can use different mesh sizes on their nets to limit the bycatch. So if they're targeting, you know, porgy or black sea bass, they can really limit the bycatch so those you know the unwanted fish that they're taking out of the water or the juvenile fish that should be left in the water to make more adult fish um, for them to eventually catch so you know it makes sense from a preservation standpoint to preserve their livelihoods Um, and that's why we focus on working with these small boat fishermen because they're kind of i hate to say it but you know dying breed there aren't a lot of young people going into the, into the, uh, industry and it's a lot of the quotas getting bought up by big industrial, uh, fishing fleets. So that's not exactly a great thing in our eyes. So how do you think that's going to pan out for you guys? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're such a small niche and the fishermen we work with are able to provide us with a pretty steady supply. So, you know, hopefully hopefully we're able to <laughs> keep the oceans nice and healthy um, and keep, uh, keep a steady supply of sustainable seafood. I mean, the, U- the U.S. has the best, the best regulated fisheries in the world right now. So um, we've definitely seen a lot of, like, comebacks on certain species of fish over the years. Well, that's good to hear because you don't hear good news like that very often. Nope. <laughs> uh, I know my husband, he used to be, we used to be big on shrimp and he doesn't like want to eat shrimp anymore. That comes, if it says it came from like Thailand or any of that kind of farm fishing, because we've seen so many documentaries on how it's, you know, destroying the fishermen's livelihood in like Vietnam and Thailand and places. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of like destruction to the mangroves, which keep the oceans healthy. So, um, you know, we, we work with, uh, domestic fishermen here. So we source our fish, our shrimp from, you know, down in the Gulf of Mexico or down in uh, Southeast off of the Carolinas. But there's definitely, you know, you got to work a little bit if you want to find, find the good stuff. Um, but it's, it's out there. So, so 
do you want to tell listeners like where all right let's start off like where is your place your shop is it downtown uptown where in new york by the uh we're we're in um prospect heights in brooklyn so it's not quite downtown brooklyn but uh we're about a 10 minute train ride into manhattan from where we are so pretty pretty busy area um pretty area too and this is the Brownstone, Brooklyn, as they call it. I actually, my very first college I went to was at Pratt in Brooklyn. Okay, not too far from there. Yeah. Uh, so then, what can you tell people about, like, um, I'm like, I see on the right of your website, it's got you've got all these pickup locations. Like, how does that work? Oh, so those are our uh, fish share pickups. Um, yeah, the way we started our business. So those are all at satellite locations around Brooklyn, um, so in different neighborhoods. And we recently just started a pickup at our shop in the past few months. That's And so, like, do you, like, you get, like, I don't know. Like, how does a fish share work? Like, how do you decide what goes into it? And, like, how much do people get each week? And, like, how do you, like, you deliver? That's a lot of places to deliver to, it looks like. Yep. Uh, well, the, the locations are all run by volunteers, so yep. volunteers in return for uh, administrating the share, they get a free share of fish, so you know, it's great for people who have more time than money um, but want to eat seafood. You know, we have uh, a mother of four who runs one of the pickups who just really relishes that two hours she has to herself every week <laughs> when she's running the pickup without her kids uh, and helps feed the family. So a share is um, – most people opt for a half share, which is one pound of filleted fish per week, and that's the default. Uh, some people get a full share, which is two pounds. And then most weeks we offer a uh, alternative item, which is usually shellfish. So you know, it's determined by what's in season. So some fish are migratory, and we'll see them more in the warmer when the water's temperatures are warmer um, in the summertime, you know, our striped bass and bluefish are running here on the East Coast. Um, and then some of the shellfish is seasonal too. So we, we work with uh, fishermen down in Florida now, and we get stone crabs, which are in season this week. We have a shipment of those coming up to us tonight. Um, in the summertime, when uh, salmon is in season in Alaska, we actually have some friends who live here in Brooklyn but go and fish in Alaska. Sure. Every year their family's been doing it you know, for generations. Um, so the whole family gathers up there. And they're able to fed us fed excess fish that we get you know, 12 hours after they catch it, which is pretty amazing. So we'll do seasonal stuff like that for the share. So if you had to start this whole project all over again, is there anything that you would do differently now that you've been doing it for, how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, the retail store is a little over five years old and the share is seven years old. So, um, so long enough. I mean, most businesses like five years is like the make or break it mark, right? Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Um, like our fortune has yet to come pouring in, but you know we're, we're making a living. Um, yeah, I think. Well, 
I wouldn't sell anything perishable if I had to do it all over again. But um, oh, that's a good thing to know. Um, you know, I mean, running a small business in anywhere is difficult. I think running it here in New York City is especially difficult. Um, and why is that? It seems like that would be a better place to do it because there's so many people. You have plenty of customers. Yeah, and in a way, I think people still shop where they'll go to a fish market to buy something or they'll go to a meat market to buy something as opposed to... Yeah, my mom goes to the fish market still. As opposed to just, you know, going to the supermarket. Um, So I think it's pretty rare that this is a place like that. Um, You know, where I grew up in Buffalo, it's definitely not a thing. You you go to the local supermarket and buy everything. True. Um, It's kind of like that here too, I guess. Yeah. About the closest we have is like health food stores. We have a lot of health mm-hmm. food stores that sell, you know, produce and healthier foods. But yeah, where, where and are actually you? health food stores in Montana, I'm in Montana, uh, okay. just right um, west of Glacier National Park up by the Canadian border. Okay. And what's different, like I find like health food stores in New York tend to be more like vitamin supplement oriented, like GNC. Like you don't see like here, a health food store to me is more like a place where you're going to walk in and there's going to be a huge produce section full of fresh organic vegetables. And then they're going to have like lots of things that I like to eat, like tempeh and tofu and um, tons of products like that. You're probably going to have like a, a bulk food section that sells like nuts and seeds and granola and stuff that you can buy rice where you can bring your own bags or they'll have bags there, containers. Um, just, uh, and a lot of them have like delis, huge salad, but like the one I'm thinking of Missoula, I can't go to Missoula without going there and getting like a salad from their salad bar. And, and they have a big deli and a bakery now. They've really expanded. I mean, they were just little when I first moved to Montana in the 80s. But they were still like a regular grocery store size, like you would see a grocery store in New York. But now they've expanded to like a full-size, huge store. But the, even the grocery store in my little town of Eureka here has a health food store that has a pretty big produce section. And they have like a little deli and soup counter. And the supplements are there. And she actually, it's funny, in Eureka, uh, they they make a pretty good business off their wine. She sells a lot of wine. Huh. Um, so it's interesting, different, uh, markets and things. So, but that's, yeah, more what a health food store. It's kind of like a Whole Foods is what a health food store to me in Montana is like. Yeah, there's, I mean, sadly, you know, the internet is, uh, having it, taking a toll on a lot of the businesses here. We had a store, you know, smaller scale, but it was a lot like what you were describing. Um, just went out of business after 25 years. Oh. Um, but had a great produce section, a great bulk section, um, just, you know, you name it, it was there. It was sad to see it go from the neighborhood. Um, and what do you think, sticking that over, like that Whole Foods got bought up by Amazon and people just get food delivered now? I think it's a mix. I mean, I, I would, I personally don't like to buy anything sight unseen. I mean, I, I rarely, it could be the old chef in me, but I rarely, like, go into a store with a recipe in mind i just buy what looks good to me um i mean i think some people are getting stuff delivered here a lot of people still go out and shop um there's such a mix of things here i mean we have really amazing green markets here in in the city um and the union square green market in the summertime is 
pretty amazing what you can get here. Um, you know, farms from within a hundred miles of the city can come in and sell their stuff, which is really awesome. Yeah, I've been to the Union Square Market for sure. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you. What about your chef background? Do you want to talk about that at all? Like what's your favorite recipe to cook or what's your favorite fish to cook? Or for like somebody who maybe has never tried anything but trout or tuna, like mm -hmm. got any cool cooking tips? Um, I mean, try to get out of your rut. I mean, a lot of people only cook, you know, like you said, trout or tuna or Arctic char. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I have any th one favorite. Um, it's just kind of whatever looks good to me. Uh, I, I tend to like to eat small bits of things, like different flavors. Um, so I really like shellfish because of that. Um, like I said, we had some stone crabs coming up from Florida tonight, and I'm really looking forward to eating some of those tomorrow. Those are our favorite. And how do you cook those? Do you like steam them with butter or... My mom used to cook crabs with tomato sauce on occasion. Like, I don't even know what a stone crab is. Is that like a soft shell blue crab or like a hard crab? I guess probably not if it's called a stone crab. Does that have a hard shell or what's uh, a stone, stone crab? Stone crabs are, are have a great story. They're, they have them um, down in the South Atlantic and in the Gulf. And they are um, really, really sustainable fishery. They've been doing it forever. They catch the crabs. So they're, they're really hard shelled. That's why they call them a stone crab. Um, you'll break your crab cracker if you try to open them that way really yeah you need to like smack them with a, like the back of a spoon real quickly or 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 a hammer um but they take the crabs out of the water they take one claw off of the crab and put the crabs back in the water where they'll regenerate and grow back the claw so they're not actually you know killing any of the crabs um which is very sustainable method keeps their livelihood going um and then they cook the when the boats come into the dock they steam the claws on the dock so they're cooked already when they ship them um i like to just crack them and eat them with the mustard sauce wait a minute back up a sec all right so all you get is the claw and then they put the rest of the crab back in the ocean and it grows a new claw and they can harvest that claw again Oh, wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then they cook the claws as soon as they as soon as soon they get to shore, and then they ship them up to you guys. And then what did you say you like to – how do you like to cook them? Uh, we just crack them, and we eat them with a mustard sauce. So a little creme fraiche, uh, some Dijon mustard, and some lemon juice just mixed together. And you just dip them in that, and they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crabs but, used to be like one of my all-time favorite because my birthday was always in the middle of the summer, and I used to love to get crabs for my birthday dinner. Yeah, we we look forward to all the different varieties of crab throughout the year. You know, um, just a couple months, we'll start to get our soft-shell crabs from down in Maryland. Will be making their way to us. Those are always a real favorite. Well, awesome. Well, I don't know. Anything else you can think of to tell listeners that might be interested? Or like I said, like, my, my, like, what do you do about like media or marketing or any of that kind of thing? Like, have you guys just grown slowly? Has that been part of your success? Like, just word of mouth starting out with like the, 
CSA and then kind of moving up to the retail part? Uh, word of mouth definitely is a thing. Um, you know, we got some press when we started our fish share years ago. Um, a pretty popular blog that's not around anymore wrote about us. Um, that was definitely a big uh, jump start for us. Um, we have a lot of people in the immediate neighborhood where our store is that work for the New York Times. So we've gotten uh, some pretty good press in the food section there on a couple occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that has a huge effect. I don't think people travel too far here in the city, neighborhood to neighborhood. Um, well, I, I always anyone... think about that. What That's the one thing about, like, with the delivery service from Amazon. Because, like, my relatives lived in the city and always, like, ama- like here where you, like, drive to the store and bring home, like, a huge shopping carts full of food and fill your trunk in the backseat of your car and everything because like where I am like you usually drive for like 65 miles to your local like big huge store I mean we have little stores in town but a lot of people go shopping in like the biggest city nearby in Kalispell and in New York it's like the opposite because you have to like carry everything home you're what most people like either you know they so they do shop very very locally right so that's why yeah. I thought like the shipping thing that having things shipped to your door probably is changing things for New Yorkers. Like a lot of things that they wouldn't have got before because they had to haul it. I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I think you, you can get anything delivered here these days. It seems like, um, I, I think we're like, I can't remember the last time I had something delivered to my house. I think we're some of the few people who don't get delivery here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, there, the density of stuff here too is like I don't have to go very far um, to get much. Yes. So I think probably shop more frequently here for things. I know. My mom's always going to the store when I'm in New York. It's just like a constant, like every two days. And like she gets fish and like if it sits in her house for like three or four days, she'll almost be like, I don't know if we should eat this anymore. Like she likes it really fresh. Mm hmm. So anyway, anything else you want to say or that we didn't talk about or did mm. we do your favorite res- recipe or favorite fish tea? We talked about the crabs. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the crab. I think for fish, I don't, I just keep it pretty simple. Um, I just put a little salt and pepper on my fish before I cook it. Um, and then a little lemon juice, maybe some olive oil after it comes off, off the grill or out of the pan. Um, I don't like to really mask the, the flavor of it with you know heavy sauces or anything. So. Yeah, and besides, you're getting it with uh, you're getting it so fresh, so I'm sure it tastes really good. Yeah, I mean, freshness is a key. I mean, fish actually lasts a lot longer than people think. Nope. So, um, you know, if you're taking care of it and you're storing it properly, you'll definitely get a few days on it. And I think, you know, we're, we're poised with the question all the time, too. They're like, when did that come in? Well, you know, we source direct from fishermen, so we're getting our fish pretty fresh. Um, but a lot of the traditional supply supply lines, uh, the fish can be pretty old by the time it reaches the store, So, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you'll have – I've heard cases of – Fish being caught down in North Carolina, getting shipped up here to the the big fish market up in the Bronx, 
um, oh. then somebody buying it and shipping it back to North Carolina where it gets sold. Again, <laughs> so that's crazy. Yep. Um, I know. I was going to ask you. So, in a garden, usually a CSA, the way it works is like you know you buy it for the season because you know we're only gardening you know during certain months. But like with a fish CSA, can like people join anytime and get um and like just like it does it go year round or do you only have seasons too uh it goes year round you can join anytime uh people pay in four week cycles or pay for a four week cycle and they're your four weeks so if you're going on vacation for a couple weeks you could you can pause your share um and we we manage all of that internally and we yeah we take a few holidays off throughout the year, but it I would say it probably goes for forty eight weeks of the year. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad I asked that question. Uh, well, cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us today, Mark. Tell everybody your website again. Sure, it's uh, it's mermaidsgardennyc.com. Perfect. Are you guys like on Instagram or any of those places? Yep. Yeah, we are. We're uh, at. MG Fish NYC on Instagram. Oh. You can see Glad all I of our, asked. You can see all of our uh, fancy fancy fish photos. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for sharing with us today, Mark. You have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks. All right. Take care. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, It starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just... um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden. And just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Hey there, green future growers. Would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too? Would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards? If so, we would love it if you would share the Organic Gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.